0: this podcast is produced by unedited rather than asking yourself what is the worst thing that can happen for me um or what is the worst outcome what is there to be scared of maybe see if you can ask yourself a different question because Mm -hmm. you know the answers in your life are only going to be good as the questions that you ask yourself
1: Hello and welcome to episode 158 of In The Moment with me Alex Manzi and this is a podcast designed to help you find more clarity in your thinking, stillness in your mind and ultimately experience a greater sense of happiness in your life. Having been through my own battles with depression and anxiety, I decided to create a platform to challenge the way you think, to open up your mind and to invite you to live in the moment. On this week's episode, I'm joined by Richie Bostock, who's also known as The Breath Guy. And he's a breathwork coach, author, and speaker. And it's his mission to spread the life-changing possibilities of breathwork to the world. And Richie's doing some amazing work with helping people connect to the breath and discover all of the wonderful things that the breath can do for us. And as you guys know, I'm a big practitioner in meditation and all-around wellness. So this was really fascinating for me to have this conversation, as well as finding out that Richie's journey has been pretty, pretty similar to my own. So during this conversation, we spoke about what happens when you connect to the breath, living with a childlike playfulness, learning to become comfortable with uncertainty, and more. The name of this podcast is to inspire, so if you like what you hear in this episode, be sure to share it with a friend and spread the love. But right now, let's jump straight in and hear from Richie. How's lockdown life been treating you?
0: Gosh, I mean... It's, it's hard to even remember what life was like before lockdown now. It feels yeah. like it's, it's been it's quite a long time. You know, I, I live by myself and uh, because you don't get that variation of human act, interaction each day, every day it's, it, it just feels like Groundhog Day. Truly, yeah. really, it just feels like it's the same thing over and over again. You wake up, you do some exercise, your morning routine, do some work, have some food, do some work, do some you know, chat to some people on Zoom or over the phone. Dinner and go to bed, and just rinse and repeat over and over
1: again.
0: Yeah. <laughs> so it's um, so it's been it's been it's been great in the sense that it's given me time to, to uh, to pause from my usual activity to um, do some things that probably I should have done for been doing should have done for quite a while, but you know life gets in the way, and 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 uh, I've been able to do that, and been really enjoying exploring. Uh, how to deliver the work that I do digitally Mm. and still continue to serve and continue to help people um, in a very different way to what I'm used to. And so it's been a really exciting journey in that sense.
1: Yeah. And, you know, we were just talking a minute ago before we hit record about seeing so many people adapting so quickly to situations and setting up new business propositions and like how can I podcast remotely? How can I do my work from home? You know, and it's, it's quite inspiring to see really.
0: Uh, and I think yeah, everyone's like every uh, yoga instructor or personal trainer and all the people in the wellness industry, they've just had to become part-time audio engineers as well yeah. <laughs> to try and buy mixers and buying microphones and trying to work out how to uh, navigate all this, uh, this, the tech side of things. I'm so fortunate. You know, I, Um, used to play in bands, uh, when I was younger and used to record a lot of music and actually had a home studio. So I have an audio engineering background anyway. So I actually had all the equipment, the mics and stuff, and I just needed to plug it all in and get going.
1: Yeah. So it's been an easy pivot for you to kind of just get, get back into the audio engineer days.
0: You know what? I find it so funny and perhaps you've experienced this as well, how, all the different skills, experiences and things that you pick up along the way in your life somehow have a roundabout way of becoming useful again later in life. You know, um, like from the music perspective, you know, a big part of the work that I do is, is the music and the soundtracks that I, I, I um, put behind the breathing and the breathwork uh, journeys that I provide. And, you know, having that ability to mix music and to compose and to have a musical ear um, after having played music instruments since I was eight years old, um, has just been, been, it's been such a blessing to be able to mm. do that. And I feel makes the experience so much better for the people who are breathing. Yeah, the audio engineering backgrounds, And, you know, I um, my my degree is, you know, as an accountant back in <laughs> Australia. So, you know, just, I'm just having a basic understanding of how to run a business and that kind of thing. You know, yeah. it, it all fits together in a funny way.
1: Yeah it's so fascinating man it is it's so true like even me with like coaching now that I'm doing more kind of like mindset coaching I I coached a football team a kids team for nine years and it's it's so amazing how there's so many different similarities in it because you're you're your coach all right if football you're coaching a technique but you're also coaching the mind as well especially kids and how you can adapt that to working with like grown-ups and adults and yeah, I've never really thought and, about that.
0: Well, and, and, and kids are harder to work with than adults. <laughs> Holy moly. And and I feel like also the more the more that you work with children and then the more you work with adults, you kind of realize, well, we're actually still just big kids at yeah. the end of the day. Yeah. You know, we might put on this serious mask every now and again, this adult mask, but actually we're all still kids. And the basic needs and the values, the values are all, you know, very much ingrained from the very beginning.
1: Exactly, man. How, how do you stay in that, in that uh, big kid mindset then for yourself?
0: Hmm. You know, I, I, I started working in um, what I call my first big boy job uh, in like a big uh, consulting firm when I was 19. So wow. I had to grow up really quickly. And what I completely recognized for myself was that I shut myself off from that fun side of me because I thought I had to be all like adulty. Mm. Right. You know, so from the ages of 19 till 25, I was, you know, I was wearing suits every day, you know, and, and, um, working, you know, sometimes up to 80, 90 hour weeks and, um, you know, and working with people who were way older than me. So I felt like I had to become adults and actually that didn't, that didn't lead me down a very good path. After a few years of that, it did, it, it, it didn't do me, um, didn't do me very well. So, you know, I think, you know, with the work that I do, you know, I, 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 I'm lucky enough to, to, to follow and interact with various people and people who have done a, you know, gone down their deep spiritual paths or um, have done, you know, a lot of work over the, over the years for themselves. And what I've realized is the people who seem to be the most balanced and, and or we could say the most enlightened or who seem to just have kind of worked it out, are the ones that laugh the most.
1: Mm,
0: you mm. know, they, they they always kind of find things funny and never, ever take themselves or anything that seriously. It doesn't mean that they're not responsible,
1: mm. but
0: they kind of approach their life with a sense of play and wonder and curiosity and just kind of find things funny. Mm-hmm. Um, and they laugh a lot. And so you know, I've, I've been fortunate to spend some time with people like that. And and I feel like it's taught me a lot in terms of how you can just keep that youthful energy about you. Um, you know, there's some of the people I'm talking about are like, you know, 70 years old, but Mm. you know, they're acting like a, you know, 16 year old kid sometimes just playing (laughs) around being funny. And so, yeah, I don't, I don't think there's ever a place to grow up because at the end of the day, who created this idea of mm. what an adult needs to be mm. you can you can go down the rabbit hole with that one and think about it but be responsible you know do the things you have to do in this world but approach it with the from a place of joy and yeah. um and fun
1: yeah so true it's so true and it's like that's that's how i've started to approach things and especially the last couple of years to bring more sense of like that enjoyment and fulfillment and you know, feelings of clarity and stuff like that into my life. And I know earlier you, when we were setting up, you picked up my skateboard in the corner there and like, I only, I only started skateboarding last year. And trust me, man, when you, when you're 31 and you're trying to learn to skateboard, it's <laughs> not easy. It's not easy, but it's fun. And it's like, you're seeing like 10 year olds down the park who can do like 10 times more things than you on a skateboard and they've been skating the same amount of time. But it's the, it's the enjoyment you get out of it, man. Like you fall down, you laugh about it. You don't beat yourself up about it. in it, it does bring that childlike feeling back. You know, it's amazing what you can do for you.
0: Over, over Christmas, I was back in Australia where I'm originally from seeing my family. And one my uh, niece got one of those, is it a hoverboard? You know, like those two wheels that you stand <laughs> yeah, on and you lean yeah, forward yeah. and it goes forward in the back. So she got one of those. And I think within like, you know, 30 minutes, she's like flying around all over the place. And I'm like, that looks pretty easy. I'm going gonna, I'm gonna <laughs> to give it a go. And I just tried to jump on and, oh man, it made me so sad. <laughs> I was like, I feel like I should be able to pick this up really quickly, but it was really hard. I don't know. You know, it's just us, for us oldies, you know, we're, um, what, 30s. Right. But it takes a bit longer for us to pick up the, those, those motor skills. Huh? Yeah.
1: And you definitely don't bounce up as quick as well. When you fall down, I tell you that much, that's for sure.
0: You fall a bit harder. Yeah, that's yeah. for sure.
1: Exactly exactly so like how how does like this grounding of like you know this childlikeness that we're talking about and you mentioned the kind of more spiritual kind of root like how does that for you play into like what we're experiencing now in terms of like being in lockdown Mm -hmm. and there's obviously a lot of worry and anxieties and sadness and tragedy going on in the world around us and you know everyone's Mm -hmm. locked in we're in this pandemic like how is that grounding kind of been working for you during these times
0: Mm. yeah i think it's safe to say that many people are in a very significant state of stress right now state of worry state of anxiety and you know it's funny i was speaking to somebody about this just yesterday you know even before this pandemic happened we were already in a stress enough society as it was right yeah but for a slightly different reason we lived in such a fast-paced society where we felt like everyone would just have to go 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 that that was a, a contributor to the, the the stress and anxiety levels of basically anybody and particularly in a place like london right yeah um but now that that's kind of been taken away from many people but many people have been forced to stop or to pause but now it's it's there's a there's a new stressor And that stressor is the fear and worry of the unknown Mm. of the uncertainty of what does this all mean? You know, we're facing supposedly something that is like the most significant event in a generation or since the war, you know? So, you know, for a lot of people that's going to create all sorts of feelings of of fear of, Oh my gosh, what's going to happen? Am I going to be okay? Is my family going to be okay? What does this mean for my job? And, you know all these things, and it makes a lot of sense for many people, of course, because, like you, know, you said, you know, many people are struggling and suffering, and and you would I would never ever want to discount, um, you know, the, the the hardships that people are going mm, through. Um, but at the same time, you know, there are. I think it was it's Mark Twain. He is a famous quote of his, which I'm going to butcher right now, but it's <laughs> it's something along the lines of. The worst things that never happened the worst things that ever happened to me never happened yeah and in the sense that you know we are so blessed as human beings to have this giant part of the brain called the prefrontal cortex which basically just makes us really smart and it's what separates us from um, you know, most animals in the, that we have such a big prefrontal cortex that allows us to have something amongst other things called an imagination where we can start to come up with all sorts of scenarios and all sorts of things that may or may not happen so that we can make the best decision. Now this is fantastic for creativity. You know, we can write, um, um, screenplays and movies. We can create amazing art and music and do all of these wonderful things. But, for many of us, especially in time like right now, what it means is that it's just projecting all the worst case scenarios of all the bad mm-hmm. things that could happen because we don't know what's going to happen. Mm. Um, and what I try and work with people on the most, especially right now, is can you become comfortable in being uncomfortable? Or, and to put it another way, can you be uncomfortable in uncertainty? or being in the unknown and knowing and being sitting with the fact that we don't know what's going to happen. And then that's okay. And cu- having a level of trust that things will work out for you. Mm. Um, and, and that, um, you know, that takes perhaps for some people, uh, it's a big step, right? But there are probably little things that you can do in your life just to, just to trust a little bit more. Mm. Um, and that's where that youthful play nature comes in, right? You don't really see kids worrying too much about what's going to happen two months down the line. You know, they're very much in the moment, enjoying themselves, playing and imagining, you know, just using, using all their creativity and, and trying to always have fun. You know, kids are amazing at how they can kind of create fun out of nothing. I remember when I was young, um, my brothers were a lot older than me. They were like 11 years older than me. So I kind of spent a lot of time by myself. Um, but I would just go into my imagination and create all sorts of like <laughs> cool worlds and scenarios and games for myself. And I would act out in these worlds or I would play these games. Or you know, I, I used to love playing cricket and I would have that, um, you know, I'm not sure. Did you ever play cricket
1: uh, in school, but not like, I never no. really got into it.
0: Yeah. I played in school as well. And, you know, you may have heard of that whole, like you put like a a ball in a sock and then you hang it from like the roof and then you can hit it with the cricket bat and it just comes straight back at you and you can hit it over again. So I used to play full test matches in my head, (laughs) playing on that, playing and just hitting the ball in the sock, you know? Um, So there is rather than asking yourself, what is the worst thing that can happen for me? Um, Or what is the worst outcome? What is there to be scared of? Maybe see if you can ask yourself a different question because, mm-hmm. you know, you, the answers in your life are only going to be good as the questions that you ask yourself. So if you can start to ask yourself questions like, okay, so I'm in this situation. It's going to be what it's going to be. How can I have fun right now? Oh, how can I be more present in this moment? How can I make best use of this time? Because the future is going to be whatever it's going to be. And whether I feel stressed or whether I don't doesn't actually make a difference. So what can I do um, to enjoy this moment or to make the best out of this moment? Um, And, you know, ask yourself that question and then the brain's going to look for the answers. And if you can sit with yourself for long enough and allow the brain to be creative and do what it's there to do, then you might surprise yourself as to how much, um, how many answers might come to you.
1: Yeah. And it's funny because even as you're, you're saying that about, you know, now people are having to face up to uncertainty and being comfortable, being uncomfortable. What was going through my mind was like, but life is always uncertain. We never know the outcome. We never know what's going to happen in five minutes, let alone in five months, five years, you know? So this, this for me is really highlighting to us a way of living that perhaps we should be more comfortable living because it does bring us into that present moment. It does bring us into becoming more comfortable being uncertain being uncomfortable because that is the nature of life anyway like it's there is nothing set out for you I mean you could say okay I'm gonna I'm I'm going to meet someone at 6 p.m tonight that might be set out for you but you might not get there you might get a flat tire on the way you might you know you just it's all uncertain so I think experiencing what we're experiencing is helping people in a way in a weird way to 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 tap into that you know and it's like trying to get comfortable with that, like you said, isn't, isn't easy path. It's you have to kind of, you know, do a lot of kind of work. Some people get it instantaneously. Don't get me wrong, but there is a, a few steps along the way. So like what was your journey with that understanding of learning to be comfortable with uncertainty and being uncomfortable?
0: I mean, it was exactly, exactly what you just said. You know, we, we kind of get fed this idea that we have control in our lives. Um, and we do in many respects, but the, at the same time, we're also at the mercy of its flow, you know, of, of whatever it is that's going to happen. And, um, I think w- when we have, you know, some people might refer it to as like, like the hamster wheel, you mm-hmm. know, a society that just continues to kind of just go round and round and it just kind of works and it feels easy. It feels familiar. It feels comfortable. So people feel like, oh, I have a level of control and certainty around the situation whereas like you said you never know what's going to happen in your life um for for good or for bad um now for many people they the the unknown represents bad you know it's like i plan and and strive for the good things to happen in my life like that's how the good things happen and anything that is unplanned means it's bad Whereas if you are able to shift your mindset around the other way and say, okay, I'm going to strive and try and achieve for good things in my life. And even the unknown things are going to be good as well. That changes everything. And mm-hmm. I can say from my own experience that the absolute best, let's say opportunities, um, people I've met and things that have happened to my life are the things that I did not plan. I did not make happen. They just happened. Or, um, you know, I, you know, a great mentor of mine once said, um, and this was back when I, I used to work in, in uh, like digital startups as well. And he was like, "the the meeting that you don't want to go to is the meeting that you have to go to mm-hmm. because yeah. that's where like something serendipitous or something will happen there for you. Like, that's the one that you need to go to. And you know, so some things sometimes that you might do might seem mundane." might go down to the shop so you might yeah just like a normal meeting with a maybe you have clients in your work or something like that but you never know what's going to come out of any moment that you put yourself out there Mm. so um but how did I get to it I mean I used to be the biggest control freak in the world I mean I went into I was 19 years old and I decided to go work in a massive accountancy firm um and then did that for a little while and then and moved into consulting and I had a 10-year plan of where (laughs) I wanted my life to go including where I was going to travel to my my progression up the career ladder um holy moly you know I was like I should probably be married by this date and should probably have the house by this date and then the kids probably make sense around this year and so you know I had this like sketched out plan of what an ideal life was going to be but then I got to, you know, about 24 and was bang on track and Mm. was massively depressed, Mm. you know? And that made me question, did I get this right? Am I approaching life in the right way? And so that really kicked off a series of events for me to open myself up to the unknown. And it started off with going to Peru for three months (laughs) with really very little agenda Um, I was going to be doing some, I went to do some volunteer work there, um, because I knew I needed to get out of my normal environment to work out what was wrong with, with the situation, um, and get some space. So I ended up volunteering for three months in Peru in these orphanages. But I mean, as someone who's grew up in Brisbane, which is, you know, the third biggest town in Australia, um, and never really lived anywhere else in the world you know, going to South America for three months, not being able to speak Spanish or anything like that (laughs) was a massive leap into the unknown for me, but, and it was absolutely terrifying It actually went against every grain of my, my own programming. Um, but if in a weird way, even though I remember being on the plane and my heart was beating and I was sweating, like something in my gut was telling me that it was the right thing to do. And interestingly, um, I had this intuition as I was as I was flying to Peru. I wrote this down. I still have the diary, the travel diary of when I went to Peru, with all my notes and all my learnings. And it's fascinating to read this like unfolding of this human being. <laughs> um, but the very first thing I wrote on the plane was, "I need to surrender any idea of who I think I am, mm. how I act, and what I would normally do." surrender any idea of who Richie is because um, I'm going into a place where nobody knows me and I can just start afresh. And what was fascinating is I would I would remind myself of this every morning I would wake up in Peru and um, it kind of became like a bit of a mantra to just let go of thinking about things. Don't think about it. Don't think about it. Don't think about it. And within about 10 days, I really started to notice how differently I would act Mm. and how um, I would surprise myself as to how I seem to kind of be a different person to who I thought I was. And so I decided to embrace that and started to embrace this idea of, okay, what if I just surrender and see if maybe there's something better for me in the unknown. And as it turns out, now I teach people how to breathe for a living (laughs) <laughs> In, and, and I'm having the time of my life. So you just you just never, never, never know
1: yeah. where
0: life is gonna take you.
1: Yeah. It is fascinating, man. It is like, it's so funny because someone I was having this conversation the other day about travel. Someone was like, why do you like to travel? And I was like, because, man, like, you don't understand. There's two ways to travel. You can travel and have your agenda set out, much like your 10-year plan. Much like, very funny enough, my 10-year plan sounded very similar to yours in terms of have the job, do this, do that. And then got to 24, 25, and I was depressed. So... The reason I love to travel is because you can do it in that way of go. Okay, we're going to spend two days here, and then we're going to move here, and then we're going to go there, and then we're going to, and really s- slam everything into that time frame, or you can land somewhere and have a rough idea of what you want to do and where you want to go, and make it up as you go along and see what happens, and that's what I love because you can surrender to that through and what is also a very highly you know, all your senses are pretty high when you're traveling because you're kind of like in a new world, a new experience. You're pretty much in this free flowing state in a way. And when you surrender to that journey of like, I don't know where I'm going to end up. Then all of a sudden, like anything becomes possible. Every morning you could wake up and by the end of the day, you could be in a new city. You could be in a new country if you're in certain parts of the world. And I think that that is such such an interesting uh, uh, experience to hear you having the same kind of feeling of just surrender to it and see what happens and this is this is what i was trying to explain to to my friend was like this is why it's great is because you're not going to escape you're going to actually reconnect to yourself you know and like, like we were talking just before we hit record and i was explaining the idea of disconnecting to reconnecting is you're disconnecting from all of that structure those stories that stuff that's in place in your life and you're reconnecting to your true inner self through that that kind of freedom you know and it's just like amazing, man. And it's like, there's also a thing about, you know, particularly with the work that you're doing and, and this idea of disconnecting. And I know, like I've heard you speak about it before, like the idea of being disconnected from the breath. Mm-hmm. So like, what does that mean? How, how can we be disconnected from our breath? Cause our breath is what's keeping us alive in many ways.
0: Yeah. It does. It just kind of happens, doesn't it? And um, you know, most of us will breathe somewhere between 19 to 27,000 times per day. And um, if you did anything else that many times in your life, (laughs) you probably have a pretty good idea of how you do it, why you do it and become a master of it. And, you know, to put it simply, people don't necessarily realize how important their breath is. They think it's just something that just happens for them to keep them alive. And there's really not much else to think about yet. If you look at, Almost every single ancient culture, they have developed a philosophy and then associated techniques around breathing in ways to be able to, in order to be able to increase their physical well-being and mental, emotional well-being. And even to go beyond all that, to explore spiritual realms um, and to be able to expand their consciousness as a human being. Um, and, but for some reason in the West, it kind of got swept under the rug and we just kind of didn't think too much about it. Mm. So, you know, the, the way that we breathe affects every single system and every single function in the body. And it's both a a reactive and can be used proactively as well, because every, um, your breath is so intimately linked to your nervous system, which really dictates what's happening inside of you, whether it's physically, mentally or emotionally. Um, So it reacts and can actually be the most beautiful form of introspection into how you are feeling or what is happening inside of you, if you can pay attention to it. Mm. So what I mean by that is if you feel anxious, for example, well, guess what? There's actually a breath that is anxious. Mm. If you uh, a sad, there's such thing as a sad breath. If you are um, angry, there's an angry or rageful breath. If you are happy, there's a happy breath. If you are, you know, if you, um, are feeling grief, there's a, there's a breath of grief. You know, there's so many, um, it's just a pure reflection of your state. Um, and so if you are able to start to build some sort of relationship with your breathing, you know, learn to become more aware of it. And then even with a bit of knowledge, learn how to use it purposefully in different ways um, you have a really cool tool that's built into you already that can massively shift the quality of your life.
1: Mm. So, so what does that look like in terms of what happens then when you do connect to the breath in that way? What, what happens yeah. like physiologically, spiritually, emotionally, mentally, all of that?
0: You know, it's, it's, a, it's a tricky question to answer because it could be anything. You know, I mean, if you, if there's a, for example, there's a reason why breath awareness, which is exactly what it sounds like, just taking notice and focusing on what your breath is doing, not necessarily doing a technique, but just watching how you are breathing. Um, there's a reason why it's a fundamental pillar in almost any form of meditation, mm. because the breath is never in the past. It's never in the future. It's always right here and right now. So it is the perfect anchor to the present now. So you can use that as a way to gather yourself, to be able to center yourself, become more aligned um, as a form of introspection to see how you're going. Okay. I'm focusing on my breath. And eventually with a bit of practice, you'll be able to tell huh, what is my breath telling me right now? What messages is coming up through my breath uh, from my body, coming up through my breath. That is that I need to listen to. Um, And, then there are so many other ways to be able to use it. You know, you can start to do, you know, in its simplest form, small techniques that might take two to three minutes, for example, to help you if you're feeling stressed, to relax, or if you need to create some energy, for example, or help you to fall asleep. Um, And then on the other side of the spectrum, you can lie down and do breathing techniques for one hour, two hours, three hours, (laughs) five hours, And have complete transcendental experiences where you, you know, astral project or meet God or travel through timelines or, you know, do all sorts of interesting things. And then everything in between. Um, so, so there are the, I always say the breath is kind of like the Swiss army knife for the Mm. body. You know, there's, there's so many different ways to be able to use it. And as long as you start to, it just takes a little bit of knowledge, to understand it, and once you start to become aware of it, uh, and then learn how to use it, then you've opened up a whole new uh, realm of possibility for you.
1: Yeah, yeah, for sure. And it's—I I was having a conversation with uh, you know Tony Riddle.
0: Yeah, yeah.
1: So me and Tony were having a—we've done a couple of podcasts together, and we we got into this idea of the, the breath is connected to life and death. So at the beginning of each breath is life. Because the first thing you do when you're born and you come out of the womb is you you take in a deep breath. And, but then at the end of each exhale is the possibility of death because if you don't breathe in again, you're not receiving that life. So we had this fascinating discussion about like there's such power in the breath in terms of life and death and bringing presence to yourself. And the fact that you can experience so much within that, as, you know, as you've just wonderfully described, It's it's such great work, man. And it's just like when you start to really tap into it and understand it, it can it can really do a lot. Like I do a lot of of meditation, which is obviously very much connected to the breath and being present and 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 tapping into that where you can. But like you said, you can explore it in so many different ways to experience different feelings and different emotions and going into other worlds and universes and all of these crazy things, you know. And it's it's fascinating stuff, man. It really is.
0: Yeah. It's, it's, it's nature's tool that we're all supposed to be able to use. Right. Yeah. It's just, it's just in so many ways. And like, you know, Tony, you know, what a great example of someone who's trying to uh, share the idea of, you know, connecting back to what's real and what, what's important and what's basic, which is mm-hmm. nature. Right. And mm-hmm. how we are supposed to be. And Tony's so brilliant um in in sharing that message um and it doesn't get much more fundamental than the breath right (laughs) and uh, and basic than the breath um yeah you know it's a it is the first thing we do when we come into this world and it is kind of the gateway into this life right it's what it's the it's the magic carpet that we ride on to come (laughs) into this 3d reality which is our life and it's going to also be the magic carpet that takes us out of it as we uh uh, a rebirth or or die. Um, so, yeah, you know, it's. I think. I think the great thing about it is that, you know, you don't need to be um, a master yogi. You don't need to be uh, me- a meditation master or have you know gone to a monastery or done a ten day silent retreat. You don't need to be a vegan. You know, like you can anyone can breathe and experience incredible benefits quickly mm. so um and it's and it's just breathing it's free it's our it's our birthright so um it's a very exciting space to be able to to share some some work
1: yeah for sure man and i'm interested how did, how did you get onto this journey from like management consultancy and accountancy to like what it seems like the total opposite because they're very like heady kind of jobs. Yeah. like you know where you are now with this focus on the breath
0: yeah, purely by accident or divine intervention, whichever one you want to look at it, where you want to look at it. Um, but it was, it was because of my dad, actually. Mm. So my dad was diagnosed with multiple sclerosis years ago. And it's for people who don't know, it's an autoimmune disease where there's no defined cure. Mm. Uh, many people will live with it their entire lives, and it usually will lead to the complications that eventually kill them. And so I was always on the lookout for things to be able to help my dad, whether it's lifestyle changes, different diets, alternative therapies, that kind of thing. And then um, through my research, I came across this guy called Wim Hof, mm. um, who's, for those of you who don't know, he's called the Iceman because he holds 20 something world records all related to cold exposure. And he developed this technique which he just calls the Wim Hof method uh which is a combination of breathing techniques and also cold exposure that's supposed to be great for everybody's health and well-being but why it caught my interest was it was because my um he was saying on this podcast how it seems to be very useful for people who have autoimmune issues so I uh ended up traveling to poland and spending a week in poland in this tiny little village in the middle in the middle of winter and we were doing all the crazy stuff you know hiking in the snow barefoot in your shorts for a couple of hours like minus four degrees out we were swimming in the ice lakes we climbed the tallest mountain in poland just in your shorts minus mm. 19 degrees you know um and uh, had just the most incredible experience but you know, what took me in my my fascination was the breath, mm. you know, the breathing experiences that we were doing. Um, but to cut a long story short, I, I came back and shared the, the method with dad, and he does his breathing every day, his cold showers every day, um, and changed his diet as well, which is very important for any autoimmune issue. And um, the progression of his MS just stopped in his tracks.
1: Wow. So
0: that was the first kind of. Did, and the first like entry point for breath work for me, and then I just thought, I wonder if anyone else is doing things with breath work like is this is this a thing? <laughs> so you just jump on Google and Google search breath work and then hundreds of pages came up of all these people doing interesting things with the breath all over the world. and so that kicked off in three and a half years of traveling all over the place, um, learning from you know, different breath work coaches, yogis, breathwork masters. Uh, uh, university researchers, doctors, athletic coaches, physiotherapists, psychologists, and counselors. Yeah, just about um, a lot of different people all doing different things with the breath. And so now this is, yeah, what I do. And, you know, I I wasn't originally looking into it as a profession. It was purely just out of curiosity and wanting to to develop for myself. And just after, you know, enough years of doing – of discovering more and learning more. I just went, you know what, this stuff is too important not to share with the world. So this is what I'm going to dedicate uh, my time and my life to. So mm-hmm. I, uh, so this is kind of how it was all born. Why Amazing, I'm here now.
1: Man. Amazing. And it was there one of those experiences that you had on all of those different, you know, journeys and workshops and practical things that you did that really changed your, your idea or really reshaped recl- <sighs> the way you thought about it.
0: By it, you mean breathwork? Yeah, or like just, breathwork, just yeah. the,
1: the kind of idea of like how powerful it could be.
0: Hmm. I'll give you a couple. Um, I remember the first time I ever did something called holotropic breathwork, hmm. which is uh, a style of breathwork, which is called integrative breathwork, where it's designed for therapeutic purposes. So the the helping to work through trauma and, and unfolding any emotional density that you may have accumulated over your years. And, um, they're quite long sessions. The session that I did was three and a half hours of nonstop breathing. Wow. And have you seen the movie Dr. Strange? Yeah. 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 So do you know how, like, he gets like hit out of his body and like he can comes out of his body and he sees everything. So that was the first time that I ever had that experience Oh wow! where I guess people would call it astral projection or something like that. But whatever you call it, it it's the idea of like I was lying in the ground and I sat up out of my body and then just kind of floated upwards and I could see the room with all these other people breathing. I could see myself. I could see, uh, my sitter who was watching over me and I was like, wow, this is cool. And I just kind of walked around the room and looked at other people and it's just like, "Mm, this is interesting. And then I realized that I could kind of go to places really quickly because in that realm, space and time isn't actually a thing. Mm. So I just went to like the other side of the world really quickly and just popped over to a few places. So that really opened my mind to what is possible, not just through breath work, but just for human beings, mm. you know. There are many ways to get to that kind of experience. And mine just happened to be breathwork. Um but you know, I guess if you're gonna ask me like what are the most powerful experiences that I've had, it's always been through these really deep breathwork sessions where, you know, you have the opportunity to transcend your normal waking consciousness to be able to access something more, whether that's something of a greater dimension or whether that's tapping into a collective consciousness or going to some sort of source energy and Mm. experiencing things like ego deaths and, you know, or your whole being dissolving until you become the universe you know there's and, and again you know you can do all these things for other means as well but breathwork was just my pathway yeah. and it just really that experience really just showed me I, you could almost just say the truth what is possible for us as human beings and that's always that's what gets me so excited about the unknown. <laughs> rather than saying what's bad and can happen to me or what's bad about society and, oh my gosh, I wonder where, you know, this is all going to end up. I always say, wow, what is possible for us? You know, what, what beautiful thing that is yet to be discovered or yet to happen, you know, it's just around the corner Mm. or, you know, what, um, wondrous, uh, discovery is going to leave to lead to the salvation of all mankind, (laughs) you know, like these kinds of things. Um, so, yeah, just the, the has those kind of powerful experiences, transcendent experiences, um, through breath work is you know, I feel one of the most exciting possibilities for that is available to everybody.
1: Yeah, what, what do you feel then is ultimately possible for us as human beings?
0: Um, so I think we can all become Jedi masters,
1: <laughs> right? <laughs> but, no, but,
0: yeah, that's <laughs> <laughs> um you know, I think the greatest expression of being a human being is living through love and compassion. You know, that, that's, that is the greatest possibility. You know, you can, you can, you can get excited about things like, you know, transcending the body and Mm. um, having supernatural or experiences and these kinds of things or, everyone becoming psychic and being able to communicate without speaking and all that stuff. Although I think Elon Musk is sorting that out, uh, that out for us anyway, we don't even need to like,
1: (laughs) yeah, yeah.
0: But, but you know, but you know, people, a lot of people down the spiritual path will get really excited about that stuff and and which is fine. It's awesome. It's, It's fun. And, but at the end of the day, you know, we are 3d human beings here having a human experience what is the ultimate expression of being a divine human being? And I believe that is just living through love, care, and compassion for one another and living from the heart, you know, having the heart be the primary driver of how we believe, our beliefs and how we act and how we feel and just let the brain kind of take care of the edges, you know, the brain kind of takes care of the practicalities of things, but the direction and intention should be set by the heart. Um, mm. So I think, I think actually what's going to come out of the situation that we're in now is a far more conscious, far more loving and far more caring world. Um, whether that is next year or in 10 years' time, whether it's going to be a smooth transition or whether it's going to be a bit rocky and some challenging moments, I believe that we are on track for something really amazing and really beautiful. And all it requires us to do is to connect to our hearts. And a Mm. lot of the work I've been doing the breath work, especially in like the big Instagram lives and stuff is a lot of heart connection work. Um, and even science is proving this and how powerful the heart is. The heart has, they're calling it, they used to say the gut was the the second brain. Um, now they're saying that the heart is the second brain because they found that there are, I think 6,000 neuronal, uh, cells, in the, in the, um, heart that actually act as a thinking mind. Um, so, and that the, when you measure, um, the magnetic, um, is it the electrodes it the magnetic? I think it's a magnetic field of the heart. It is far, far stronger than the brain is. So, you know, there's a, there's a lot of suggestion, even, even, you know, you know, how the, the ancient Egyptians used to, uh, mummify, um, the Pharaohs and, and people of high status. Um, and then part of the, part of the mummification process is in the embalming process is to remove all the organs yeah. and they would only leave a couple of organs in the body to be taken into the afterlife. Interestingly, one was the genitalia <laughs> <laughs> and the second was the heart yeah. and the rest of the organs they placed in urns that surrounded the sarcophagus. And guess what they did with the brain? They threw it in the bin. No. they were like we don't need that part yeah that's not important so you know we've ancient civilization has recognized for a long time the power of the heart and um i think as in a western society we're going to come back to that and that's going to be the ultimate expression of human beings
1: Mm, so true man i feel like when you do start to connect more to the heart and, and that inner voice and that understanding it changes so much because you you start to you start to trust more in in that feeling and in that voice and it takes you in such a different a different approach to living a different approach to life you know and it's so fascinating that you mention it because it's i feel like uh, you know what you're saying with now what i was feeling is that um we were kind of getting there we were kind of getting there you could sense it within you know humanity but i feel like this is just like been a like a a slight speed up of the process a bit like you know when you're playing like mario kart and you go over hmm. one of the speed pads and it just like send you an extra bit further it feels like it's that kind of process and yeah i just feel like you know when you can understand and learn to connect to these things and just open up to it. you don't have to like I said you don't have to become the ultimate yogi or the dalai lama or some jedi master but you can you know just be more open to those possibilities and things and it's just yeah, it's really interesting stuff man So, oh, go gone
0: and um yeah like you know that mario kart analogy is brilliant you know i remember when you go over that little speed ramp you know when you're in the when it's going that fast it's really hard to control right yeah unstable and you're like oh my god like i don't want to hit the walls i don't want to hit the um the shell that's coming my way and all these things you know (laughs) but it's it's exactly that you know when there is an acceleration sometimes all you need to do is hold on for your life um and just relax into it and go okay here we go um I agree with you, there's certainly an acceleration or a speeding up or a quickening, but what is beautiful is that that quickening can happen for in, in all sorts of different ways. So whereas people before used to have to do years of meditation or years of yoga and sit under a tree for this many hours a day and work with their guru for decades to be able to feel like they make any sort of inner progress it's happening at the drop of a Mm. dime now, you know, I have people who are doing, uh, having breathwork experiences and they do like a 30 minute breathwork session uh, over Instagram live with me and, and they are just blowing open and Mm. seeing the, having their light come in and the third eye activation and Kundalini activation and these things that are supposed to take forever happening within 30 minutes, you know? And so, it, there's a quickening of everything right now. Um, we have all those great spiritual masters and all those cultures. They've they've created the pathway. They've created the footsteps and consciousness for us to follow. But it's like the footsteps in the snow. Because they're mm. there, we can step in them more easily and walk faster. So mm. there, it's uh, yeah, everything is possible for us.
1: Yeah, and I think it is true, like what you're saying, that people are experiencing that quickly. And I think it comes down to what we said before of we're learning to let go of a lot of we're having to trust at the minute we're having to, you know, live in the uncomfort in the, in the uncertainty. So people or, or people may be in a space to be more open to experiencing all of those things through the breath work or whatever, you know, um, have you got like a, cause I can't, you know, have the breath guy on here and not let people walk away with a sample of what you do. So have you got like a, a, a practical, really simple uh, breath work technique that people can, you know, listen to this and take away and use almost day to day as a, as a kind of sample, you know, because yeah. all of these wonderful things we've spoken about, like experiencing lifting out of your body and all of these <laughs> becoming a Jedi master. It's not, you know, it doesn't happen. <laughs> it doesn't happen overnight. So what's the kind of uh, the st- the easy step into that mm. or technique rather?
0: I would like to share um, something that one of my, most absolute favorite teachers taught me. His name is Dan Brilly. uh one of the most brilliant breath workers in the world right now. And he um, turned me onto this idea of using a natural reflex that we already have in our body uh, on purpose for mm-hmm. a benefit. Now, this reflex is called a sigh. Maybe mm-hmm. you've heard of it. Um, mm-hmm. It's uh, uh, using the sigh as a breathing technique and actually almost creating like a a sighing meditation because when we sigh, it acts as a very real uh, physical and mental reset Mm -hmm. on many different levels. Um, And so why can't we then use it if it's already automatic within us on purpose to create that reset for us? So it's really as simple as starting to chain together um, sequence of sighs.
1: Mm. So
0: a sigh usually works something like a long inhale through the nose and relaxing out through the mouth. So it might go something like this. You might just go. <sighs> all right. Just oh, it's it's that letting go feeling, right? It's that, oh just relax. Mm-hmm. Let um let the weight of the day or the weight of whatever's happening around you just kind of let go and fall away. So if you do that over and over again, it's gonna have kind of a profound effect. And if with every exhale, you feel yourself just relax and let go a little more, maybe very at a very physical level, relax your shoulders, relax your neck, relax your chest and your stomach and your back. And then just have a, with each exhale, just instill more of a feeling of relief of, ah, you know? Mm. <sighs> And maybe you can even attach a bit of a sense or feeling of dropping down each time you exhale. Just oh, drop down a little bit more, drop down a little bit more, drop down a little bit more into my body, into myself, into my center. Do it like 10 times for a couple of minutes or maybe three minutes or so. And go. you'll feel so different. Mm-hmm. You'll feel like a brand new human being.
1: Amazing. I'm going to do that as soon as we finish. (laughs) I'm going to spend three minutes doing it. (laughs) Yeah. Let
0: me know how you go.
1: I will, man. I dropped you a message. Um, But yeah, listen, before we sign out, I have one final question for you, which everyone gets to answer is what does happiness mean to you?
0: Mm -hmm. Oh my gosh. What a great question. I still can't get past the, the simple word, which is love, you know? I used to think when I was younger that I had to achieve all these things and acquire all these things in order to be happy and that my happiness was um, based on something that was happening outside of me. And then when I went to Peru and was working with all these kids from, you know, who were abandoned or, um, you know, didn't have families and then would go to very rural places where, I would go to these villages where people had basically nothing and was able to see just how happy they were in their life and smiling and laughing and having fun and enjoying themselves. And that was such an eye opener for me to go, holy moly, like, God, boy, did I get this wrong? You know? And um, so what is it that, you know, I would say there's an incredible, there's a, there's a, there's a, there's another lesson or I guess you could say quote that I I got from another mentor and teacher and it goes something along the lines of freedom is everything and love is all the rest.
1: Wow. And
0: what that means is for me anyway, because he never explained what it meant, um, (laughs) but it means the freedom to be able to express yourself without any fear to be able to be you unapologetically and to be able to express all your God-given talents and to be able to express your truth without any fear of prosecution or judgment. And you might be thinking, how's that possible because we're judging all the time. Well, actually you're judging all the time. Mm. Um, And love is all the rest. Back through love um, there's an amazing story um, from a, I heard it from a man named Krishna Das, who is this brilliant kirtan leader and musician, and he was talking about his guru in India. Um, um uh, was a Maharaji, and they asked this enlightened guru, "How do we meditate? Like, what's the best way to meditate?" and Apparently, Maharaji closed his eyes and sat there for a moment. Then a single tear dripped down his cheek. And then he opened his eyes and he said, meditate like Christ. When Christ was on the cross, he didn't feel pain. He lost himself in love. Mm. And that was his instruction. Um, So bringing a little bit more loving intention into your life is probably the easiest way to start. Be a little bit kinder
1: yeah that's beautiful man. that Thank was you, the man.
0: short answer to your question
1: <laughs> <laughs> no it was really beautiful man yeah. i was yeah no it's powerful powerful man i really appreciate you sharing that because it's it reminded me a lot of um the idea of you don't go out there and try and live with freedom freedom is a way of living you know mm-hmm. it's it's two different approaches and it's it's very similar to that of just living with more living with more love not trying to love more it's a different thing right
0: absolutely and you know if i ever have a work with somebody who's struggling with depression or they're in a funk or they're they're um you know they're, they're they're struggling i always say try and dedicate a little bit more time to be in service of somebody else and that doesn't not saying that that means that you haven't been doing it enough and you No, it's i'm just saying spend more time giving and mm. Very quickly, you you lose yourself in the act of giving, and in that space, there's no place to be anxious or mm. to be depressed or to be worried. Um, that's the space of love, and um, yeah, it's uh, it's often that can often be a gateway to opening up a whole new world.
1: Yeah, amazing, man. And um, well, this has been a real, real pleasure. Um, I really appreciate the time and um, but before we sign out can you let people know where they can find you online how they can keep up to date with your work or anything you've got going on that you want to kind of shout about
0: sure yeah um the breathguy.com is my website uh instagram at the breath Guy, is where i announce most things that i'm up to whether it's streaming these that used to be live events now it's just live streaming <laughs> um and various other bits and bobs um i uh i have an app out with mm. if anyone wants to uh, try some of the breathwork journeys that I teach. It's called Flourish. It's available Android, um, Apple, globally. Just search for Flourish or Richie Bostock. I'll come up. Um, and so, yeah, that's there. There's some free sessions there for you to to see what this whole breathwork thing is about if you've never tried it. And um, I also have a book coming out in September, uh, which is called Exhale. It's a- available for pre-order on Amazon now. And that book is basically the um the book I wish I had when I first started Mm. in breathwork it's to provide that foundational understanding of what breathwork is and how to be able to implement it very practically into your life um as well as providing a bit of a roadmap into how you can progress further because um I spent three and a half years just trying to work out what this breathwork thing was (laughs) um and so now I feel like I can share that with everybody so um so, yeah, so that's probably probably it. But I'm, I'm so excited to be um, sharing this work with everyone. And um, I can't wait for us to be able to get back into person person interactions, because mm. as much as I do love doing the live stuff and I do, there's still it's still there's nothing that beats a room full of people breathing together. So we'll get there soon, I'm sure.
1: Mm-hmm. Awesome, man. Well, like I said, I really appreciate it. And thank you for the time
0: i appreciate you too thank you so much for having me on
1: so there we have it i really really hope that you enjoyed this episode and i hope you could take something from it i really loved what richie was saying at the end there about love and compassion and how filling your heart with that space and living from that space can create something totally different for you and totally new so i really hope that you can take that on board and i hope that you you know could take something from the episode as i said And if you did like what you hear, then please be sure to leave a review or even better, hit the subscribe button so that you can get the latest episodes straight to your phone. And if you know someone who you think would really benefit from hearing this episode, then be sure to send them the link or a screenshot because it's important we continue to spread the positive vibes and messages of episodes like this. You know, I started this podcast to help inspire positive change and you can also be a part of that by sharing the love with someone you know. As ever, you can connect with me on Instagram at IamAlexManzi. You can hit me up to say hello or tell me what you liked about this particular episode. But Until then, thank you for listening and I will see you in the next episode. This podcast is produced by Unedited.